Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun functional issues, some problems like that, or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes, or just build one new home in its place, and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com, and when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that, and you can send us a message, and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this, and hopefully we we can do a deal together. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihew from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there in listener land, welcome back. This is episode 83 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Hey, we had an amazing show uh, for episode 82. For those of you that did not listen, so go check it out. Great interview with Matt. Um, just a great guy and a great agent. But we're back this week. It's a solo show. Well, sort of solo. It's myself and my co-pilot here on the show, Mr. Steve Nassar. What's up, steve Hey, good to be back on the air, Tucker. It was a great show last time. I was a little bummed we lost some of it. I guess, as you said, having done 82 shows, we're lucky only one ever had a technical glitch like that. Yeah, and it's a bummer. Matt was just a great guest. You know, I had introduced him as just an up-and-coming agent who, in a matter of just a few short years, three years, I believe, has just you know, skyrocketed in, in the Lake Oswego market. He said some interesting stuff. I don't think it made it onto the air how he only really does the Lake Oswego market. He almost reminds me of a, a realtor version of you, Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> I go to the hood, man, all the time. So come on now. You, know, you do, you do. That's true. But he talked about traffic. I asked him at one point, I said, so if you this afternoon get a listing call from Murray Hill and Beaverton, do you take it? And he said, no, he'd refer it out, which is, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's an amazing model, but he's in a few short years done about 20 million a year. He's doing, you know, a lot of it is high end real estate and, and yes, in Lake Oswego and he's doing a great job. And so we thought it'd be great for our listeners to hear from somebody who just newly came onto the scene and had to do the grind and lift themselves up and build some momentum quickly. And gosh, he's done it and he's done it well. So yeah, I think was, it was a cool show. I, I would I would not be opposed. I, I mean, I don't know what you think, and I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. We didn't talk about this off air, but I think maybe bringing on other agents kind of like him that have uh, kind of an inspiring, cool story seemed to I be. I am so, all for it. I'm all I for it. it. And yeah, and please, if you're a listener out there and you and you have a story to tell, a unique angle to the business, or you know something like Matt, where you're maybe newer to the business and you've done well, and you want to share, you know, some of your successes and what you've learned along your journey, please reach out to myself or Tucker, 
and let us know and we'll you know we'll call you up and chat with you on the phone and, and do a little interview and if, if it sounds good then yeah we'll get another show going yeah for sure i think it's a it's just a good way to build community within uh what is you know a big small city anyway so definitely a great show so i apologize to matt for not uh, getting it all there but i think we got a good amount that people got a really good feel for him and could really kind of get a at least a pretty good idea of what his business looks like and just what kind of a solid duty is anyway yeah absolutely so. But moving on, this week's show, solo show, we got some stuff to talk about with what's going on with ourselves, our own businesses, and uh, of course, the market. So I don't know, why don't you kick it off, Steve? What do you got for us? Yeah, so it's kind of a short week for me. I'm leaving town Wednesday, first thing in the morning. I'll get back Friday. It's, it's a work trip. I was invited to a mega agent mastermind in Scottsdale, Arizona. The ringleader, I mean, some out there may know of the name Brett Tanner. I was introduced to Brett a few years ago through Lawyer's Title. Denise Wilson introduced us. He came to an event here in Portland. We went to a hotel downtown, and he did a little presentation. We had lunch, and I was pretty, I was pretty impressed with some of the systems and efficiencies he, he laid out. In fact, a few of them I use today with regards to email and email systems management. There was a few key nuggets I got from him. So I'm looking forward to that. There's going to be a, quite a few other agents there, and we'll all share what we're doing and marketing systems, team structures. There was talk about you know different lines of revenue, streams of income, I guess was a term used. So we'll see what some of them are saying about that. So that's coming up here in the next couple of days. As an agent myself, gosh, we're just busy, 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 busy. I'm super happy about it. Lots of listing appointments. I'm going to probably three to five listing appointments a week and getting a lot of them, fortunately. And a lot of them, it's kind of that thing, you know, I've often said on this show is, you know, I, I like my listings to have babies and by golly, they're breeding like little bunnies, Tucker. <laughs> Would you th just side thought here? I don't want a rabbit hole, no pun intended, our conversation here. <laughs> Do you think that there's a lot of more inbound um, listing leads coming into your, your sales funnel right now? Or do you think that because of marketing and just your business is growing? Or do you think there are people that are just trying to take advantage of what they perceive to be a, you know, maybe peak or close to peak of market and trying to cash out equity? What, what's your feeling on that? Because you're really busy. So it, it either comes from better marketing or potentially better marketing and, you know, just overall sentiment of people that want to maybe sell their house and take advantage of where we're at in the market cycle. What, what's your thoughts? It's a tough question to answer. Yes. I would say my marketing is effectively working. When I go into an area, you know, we're doing direct mail pieces. We're putting up a lot of directional signs. We're doing open houses. You know, I'm on Zillow in most of those areas as well. So a lot of times when I'm meeting with a potential listing, you know, they're saying, basically, we see you everywhere. We get you in the mail. We, we're online. We see you on Zillow. We see your directionals. So that's positive. But that said, you know, there is a little bit of also what you're saying. It's definitely peak season. You know, we are smack dab in, you know, and if anything, we're probably going to be leaving peak season in the next month as we head into July. Not that July is a slow month by any means. I've always felt like when listings really hit the market it tends to be May and possibly a little bit of June. 
that's when you know people are thinking spring they're thinking spring buying season the flowers are blooming you know they kind of all just go together hand in hand so there's definitely that going on but to answer your question there are some sellers out there who are a little bit skittish about the market i was actually in a chat about this i went to a listing appointment on saturday and this is the second time this has happened recently where i was saying a price and the seller was asking me to go lower and by the way, that's a dream come true for a real I was going to say, I don't know if that happens very often, but <laughs> it's not happened very often. In fact, I, I got an offer on one, one of these clients, we've actually been on the market and he's been, he's been asking me to do some pretty dramatic price drops. Now, part of that is because he is on a busy road. It's a Lake Oswego listing. It backs to Stafford road. And while, you know, and, and, and busy roads, Tucker, you know this as well as I do. I mean, they are just such a wild card. When you're comping out a house, it's really difficult to factor in what that busy road is going to do. You know, I came up with uh, in an extremely hot market, I think it's about an 8% difference from what you would comp it otherwise. And in a cooler market, you're about 15% different. That's pretty good, Tucker. That's pretty yeah. good. I listed this for seven fifty, and we're now pending at, you know, in the high sixes, low, low, mid, mid to high sixes. So, I mean, you're about, you're about spot on right there. Eight percent would have been about sixty grand, seventy grand. Yeah. So, you know, I comped it, and yeah, the house across the street that doesn't back to Stafford probably is a seven fifty house. And and this is a pretty nice house. They did a lot of nice things to it. They staged it professionally. A lot of square footage for Lake Oswego. That house, I, I want to say it's like 3,500 square feet in a nice neighborhood, the Sunny Hill neighborhood. You know where that is? Right by oh, the, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it got me. I, I was just like, it was one of those things where we put it on the market and combination of two things. First of all, he was really motivated. He wanted it gone. And he told me in one conversation, you know, he said, hey, I'm a little nervous about this market. I think interest rates are going up. I think things are going to change and I don't want to, you know, get caught in that. So, you know, within a couple weeks, he was asking for a 50,000 price reduction, which is not normally something that we would do, but I kind of kept having to go, no, let's take give it a little bit more time. The feedback's not definitively saying we're that much overpriced. We finally got an offer and um, he wanted to counter lower than I would have countered. And I kind of teased him at one point. I said, you know, I'm going to someday tell my grandkids about you. You're the you're the unicorn seller that. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? That whatever I say, you want less. So there's been a couple of those. So I guess to your point, Tucker, there are people out there, not everybody, but there are a couple sellers out there that I think are paying attention to the economy. They're paying attention to interest rates. They're paying attention to the housing cycle and I think they are maybe a little bit skittish and a little bit nervous and, and want to do something before, you know, it gets too late for them or, you know, before something pretty dramatic changes. And I can't say I disagree entirely with their uh, well, thoughts I on with, that. I agree with him in particular, because as you get into a solar market, anything that's on or near busy, you know, roads or thoroughfares, they get punished exponentially more and exponentially yeah. quicker. So, you know, he was your unicorn client, but... You know, smart guy, it sounds like. So uh, easy to deal with and, uh, you know, hopefully you yeah. get sold. So. Yeah, great guy. In fact, so let me tell you about him. We were in the Oregonian this last week. Any of our listeners, if you want to Google Oregonian home selling etiquette, just Google Oregonian home selling etiquette. He's an attorney. He's a nice guy. I, I've really enjoyed working with him. When we first hit the market, 
you know, I told him about some of the marketing I would be doing around him, some of the, the uh, you know, the door hangers we'd put out about the open house and that there's a home available in the area. I also told him about some postcards we'd be sitting on the area. He goes, you know what? I'd like to get in on that. I want to send a nice little letter to all of my neighbors, kind of just letting them know that we're, we're on the market. If you know someone looking to move, let us know. But it wasn't just him, you know, selfishly trying to promote his house. He, he also said, we've lived here for 30 years. We've raised our family here and, and we're sad to see the area go, but it's time to move on to the next chapter. And if you Google the article, you'll see a little bit more about what he wrote. Somehow the Oregonian picked up on this and they wrote they wrote up a nice piece about what he did. And they and they said, you know, what a gracious seller to actually reach out to his neighbors and give them a nice sign off and very good etiquette. It mentioned me by name briefly. I was just a little blip in the article, but that was kind of interesting. And that's the same property. It's on uh, Living Good in Lake Oswego. And it, it is pending sale now, too. So it even mentioned that in the article. So there's a little bit more about that. But back to myself, you know, as an agent, we've been dealing with the coming soon. We're going to have to get Joe on here. I know it's been a little while and maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll get Joe Fistolo back on here. I'd love to see his thoughts and what he's experiencing. But, you know, as we had done our show with RMLS, they did finally in May. It's been about a month now. They rolled out some pretty big changes, the coming soon one. Have you noticed anything with it, Tucker? I mean, is it on your radar? A little bit. I mean, it's funny because I've actually been behind the scenes looking at a quote unquote coming soon with Joe. It's a client of his that we may end up purchasing that's near the lake to do a a big renovation on, but he's not technically, you know, there yet in terms of the coming soon status, but I've seen a little bit of it. I've heard I guess I have, from what I've heard so far, it, and you only hear the bad stuff, right, most of the time, but what I've heard is the the people that are basically trying to exploit it. I've heard some stories and, you know, basically client capture, lead capture, you know, cornering people. I've heard that stuff, kind of some murmurings more than anything else, but we're about to utilize it ourselves for a couple of projects here very shortly. So, you know, I think overall it's a very positive thing, but Sometimes you only hear the negative stuff, right? So, yeah. It's know. interesting how it affects builders because in theory, obviously, you know, not everyone plays exactly by the rules. And there are, it, there are some gray areas because you're not a realtor, so you don't need to abide by those rules. But then then again, not, none of our sellers are realtors, and we're still kind of on the hook to watch over them and get them to help us play by the rules. But for builders, you know, even something as silly as when you're building a house – I think the new coming soon rules, unless they state that you really can't have a sign saying, you know, coming soon or, or, you know, being built or something like that. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects builders. Have you been talking to anyone about that? I mean, is that on your radar? I mean, I, if we're going to put it on RMLS, we'll abide by it. But prior to that, we can do whatever we want. Right. I mean, at that point it's, it's my world and I can, you know, uh, I make the rules. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you, the loophole that you can use to your advantage, Tucker, don't sign a listing contract. I mean, that's, yeah, that's which, really which, well, the uh, loophole. A little secret is, is that we list everything in house. So I don't sign anything. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Well, there you go. There yeah, you yeah, go. So. <laughs> because with the new coming soon rules, it is really difficult. I learned this two weeks ago. I've got a listing that's coming online in about a month. And then we're talking to a buyer who it's a, it's an identical match to what they want. They wanted mountain park with views and a yard, which is kind of rare, right? There's not a lot of properties in mountain park with views and a yard, usually if it's one or the other. 
And I've got a listing coming online like that. And so I'm talking to this lady and she's like, I would love to see it. And I'm like, ugh. I, I mean, because with it, with the coming soon, the, if it's a coming soon, you can't show it. And so it's just incredibly difficult to show a listing prior to it being active. If you're following the rules, which, which I always try to do. Right. So finally, after talking with my reviewing broker and just brainstorming, it occurred to me the one little loophole and it's, and I asked him, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to break any rules. Is this okay? And he goes, yeah, you know, if you don't have a signed listing contract yet, which I didn't at that time, then you're not breaking a rule by showing it because it's when you sign the listing contract that now you're saying, Hey, this is either coming soon or it's going to go active on this day. And those, those are the only times that you can start to show it. So, so we did set up a showing for her just to see, because what, what we didn't want to do is make her wait a month to see it. And in that month, we're not able to do anything else with her because this house is out there as, as a property that maybe could work for her. And it ended up not working for her. So it's, it's fortunate that we got that figured out sooner than later, but yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal that's coming soon. It's really been a big change. I, I mean, I don't feel like the sky has fallen. I don't think, you know, it's had a, a horrific impact on the business per se. It's definitely changed our systems up a little bit. One thing we're finding out is as I'm going to listing appointments up front, I'm starting to try to remember, and, and I'm, and, and it's taking a little bit of, it takes a little bit of effort to, to get in that habit that I need to snap a little photo of the house on my iPhone because within 72 hours of us doing the listing contract, we need to have it in RMLS as a coming soon. And to have it in RMLS as a coming soon, we have to have a photo. Fortunately, I'm able, and usually if you sign your listing contract on Monday, you're not going to have your professional photos, you know, back by Thursday. Normally that's just not the timelines it works with. So Fortunately, the coming soon status, when you look at those coming soons in the MLS, they have in huge letters across the front photo, coming soon, no showing. So the quality of the photo is not hugely important because it's kind of just a, it's more it's about a preliminary address, photo. You know, it's what? like, hey, this, and I think it would work better for price point or super duper ooey locations, you know, where there's high demand for whether it be that price range or that exact area. I think, I mean, I think that's where it serves its best purpose right now. Cause like you said, if the photo is, you know, garbage for lack of a better term, you know, really all you're looking to draw interest for is price point or exact area. Right. So the other thing there, Tucker is, I mean, I haven't noticed yet and I'll keep monitoring this. We're not getting blown up by realtors going, Hey, I see you're coming soon. I'm, I'm all over that. That doesn't seem to be happening. The reason we're doing the coming soon status is because if you don't do the coming soon status, you can't even put a sign in the yard until you are live. And that's problematic trying to time that is problematic. So it's just easier on for us on my team to to sign the listing contract stating we're going live on this day and it's usually a week and a half, two weeks out as we're doing the marketing. But in the meantime, it's a coming soon. And that coming soon status allows us to put a sign in the front yard and do a few other things. Simultaneously, it is getting it out there to other agents, but I'm not noticing that there's a ton of agents, you know, flocking around an RMLS looking for those coming soons and sending them out to clients and calling us about them. Now, maybe that changes. I'll, it's only been a month, so I'll definitely keep monitoring that, but it's been a big change. It's, it's kind of just been a little herky jerky to our system and we're trying to integrate it and figure it all out. But that's kind of a big thing that's been happening here for about 30 days. And we're still kind of trying to wrap our heads around it. And I think there is good that's coming from it. I mean, 
in theory, if you go on Zillow now, I haven't done this in a while, but if you go on Zillow and just look around the metro area, you really shouldn't see it coming soon. And that's where there was, you know, bad actors that were using that as a tool to prospect and take other people's buyers and without, you know, being cooperative in the process. Moving on from that, I've hired a couple new people on my team. I I have a new listing agent, a co-listing agent. This makes it my third. I've, I had two before. Now I've got three. I wasn't looking to hire this person per se or any person, but I, an opportunity came along where this person reached out to me. They just got newly licensed. They have a strong background in real estate. And just as important, they've got some great contacts in real estate. So this agent reached out to me. She just got her license. Her really good friend is a large builder on the east side. I won't say the name, but we've tried to have him on the show and I bet we will get him sooner than later. And I and think she, I know why you hired her. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, he asked me to reach out to you. He said, you know, you've got a good reputation. You run a good team and he's looking to expand, you know, the agents he works with. And he thought, I'd be a good fit for your team. He wants to send me some business. So I said, you have my attention. Let's meet. <laughs> and uh, that, that's been about a month and a half ago and, and it's gone well. And she is now on my team and we're training her and going through some processes that I've met with that builder a couple times. So I'm excited about that. Should give us a new foray into some new construction, which, which believe it or not, has been growing for me. It's looking like I'm going to have you know a solid base of new construction on the east side. I've got a big project coming up with Riverside Homes. I think I've talked about it here on the show. Um, I've I brought them some land over in Hillsborough um, that's going to be about 27 lots. Right now, they're in the development stage of it. And uh, I think January, they're going to start building homes. So probably by next summer, we'll have a, a nice subdivision out there. And, and then I've for years now, I've had a, a good friend of mine who's a builder in Salem area. He's been cranking out some homes and he's doing pretty well. He's He's doing about, gosh, 10, 15 a year there in Salem, and I'm on all of those. So so definitely getting getting more and more experience with new construction. And and and, and one thing I, I would say about my business that I appreciate is I'm pretty well diversified. I've started to do more luxury higher-end homes recently. So I, I kind of like the mix of having, you know, the way I see my business in the near future is that it feels like it'll be about 25% new construction, 25% maybe higher end homes, and then about 50% bread and butter, you know, your, your more standard homes. And it's kind of a nice mix to have that diversity because I'll tell you, some of my higher end stuff, you know, Lake Oswego is not flying off the shelf right now. I don't know what you're experiencing, but some of it, it's just, it's just, they, they, they need a little time on the market. They need to age a little bit and they need some people to, to go through them. And I have my thoughts on it. I think the right product is that's priced properly is flying off the shelf. I think that the problem with Lake Oswego in terms of realtors trying to, you know, solidify listings and get clients and then ultimately market properties is you can you can frame a price virtually however you want, you know, because there's there's comps all over the board. So, you know, weighted towards the higher end, of course, because it's Lake Oswego, but there's comps all over the board and I think the problem is a lot of people have bought listings in terms of framing those prices with superior product, whether it be location, street, functionality, overall look. You know, the right product is selling to, you know, very quickly still there. But for example, there's a, um, you know, there there was a builder that, that put three homes in a um, particular lot 
and they're having a hard time selling a couple of them right now. And um, we had a very similar size lot. And instead of building three, we built two. And so we're putting two homes out at a higher price, but it, they're the houses that have the feel and the look of exactly what that buyer wants. And so I anticipate they'll sell very quickly, but we've looked at all of our competition and I anticipate some of the competition is going to be priced about the same, but they're going to have that time on market like you're talking about. So there's, yeah. I don't think it's a Lake Oswego thing. I think it's a, it's a builder screw up thing for lack of a better term. Um, you know, they did maybe a two car garage instead of a three car garage and they're trying to sell something for more than $1.3 million. Well, that's going to be really tough to do. Um, yeah. and they don't understand that until they get to finished product and then they're screaming at the realtor why their 1.449 listing isn't selling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, it's just a, a home that's got some funkiness to it, whether it be design wise, whether it be functionality wise, whatever it is, but you frame that price based on however you want to frame it, which, you know, sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want, like Oswego. And so I think there's a lot of that. It was interesting. I, I actually went and looked at a, um, a house that was on uh, the lake uh, to potentially buy and, and we were going to do a, use, use it as a project last week. And, um, you know, the people that I talked to about it, very nice people, but they were framing the price as it could be like a $2.4 million home. And, you know, you look at anything on the lake and you're thinking, yeah, that's reasonable, you know, whatever. But this was kind of on a canal. It was on secondary lake. And, um, you know, I, I just, I thought maximum it's probably like a $1.95 million home. Was it a you know? fixer, Tucker? It was livable, but just kind of funky. Um, mm. You know, it was good size. Still a lot of money. Footage. Yeah, it just... And so I, what I told them is I said, look, this, this isn't going to be for somebody who renovates, um, you know, you're not going to have a, somebody that comes in like an interim buyer like me, that's going to do this because it's going to take too much money. It's an all or nothing kind of house. And I think ultimately the way you need to sell this house is as an extreme value to live on the lake. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe they'll do it, maybe they won't. But the point is, is that some realtor could probably come in, look at it and be like, well, it's got a little bit of functional obsolescence, but it's such an amazing view and it's the lake life and we'll, you know, we can comp it at, you know, 2.15 or something like that. And then it'll sit out there and it'll be stale. Right. And it'll sit. And so I think that just executes my point. That's really what I'm trying to do here is that you can frame pricing however you want. But it's it's usually the reason why a lot of stuff is sitting is, number one, they frame pricing wrong. Or number two is builders have made mistakes in how they built the house. I totally agree with you, Tucker. It can be tricky to to comp in Lake Oswego because there is stuff all over the board. And it's it's kind of like the way I always explain it to to clients is we can't cherry pick comps, right? That's what really what it comes down to. When you say framing it right or wrong, whatever you want to term it. Sellers have a tendency, I've met with a couple recently, where they cherry pick their comps. You know, they'll go, oh, this one sold for 1.2 and this one sold for 1.3 and this one sold for 1.5 and they disregard the seven that sold for 950, right? And they're just, they're just looking through rose colored glasses of the ones they want to see. And the other thing about like, so we go now and, you know, you probably realize this is that, you know, back in the day there were certain pockets that got high price points, right? And that was it. It, it. The rest of it was quote unquote affordable Lake Oswego, but there were certain pockets that got high price points. Now you can sell a $2 million home all over Lake Oswego now, right? It, it's not just limited to, you know, just a couple few spots. And so that has added to, like you said, cherry picking your comps because there's a variety of stuff, not just selling at 2 million, but let's say 1.1 or 1.4 or whatever, right? That's all over the place. So now- that makes it a lot easier to skew the data in the eyes of people that 
really aren't experts in, you know, what stuff should really sell for in that market. Yeah. Did that canal property had good views? Usually the canal ones, you're looking at a neighbor's house across yeah, the canal. Yeah, you're looking at neighbors. It wasn't too deep down the canal, so it was it was pretty close to the secondary Got it. lake. Um, Got it. Great, it was a great lot, great yard. I mean, it had the money shot, you know, coming out the back, but um, it just- Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. so it, it had that, and that's the sales feature. But, you know, I could definitely see agents coming in and basically, you know, dressing it up and framing the price at, you know, something that would basically collect dust and sit on the market for a long time. Yeah, I've shown a few homes on on those canals that are deep into the canals. And for all intents and purposes, you have no views. You do have boat access, and that's great, but they're not really view properties. I mean, it's just, it's just a, you know, 15 foot body of water and you're bare, basically staring at the house across from it. So, yeah. yeah um, exactly. and those ones, you know, I, I, would be hard pressed to see those ones pushing $2 million, but on it, for a fixer anyway. Um, but yeah, the, if you're closer in and you've got some nice views that really ex- accentuates that. So I get it. Um, and that's the one that Joe's got you tied up with, huh? No, that, uh, this is actually right around the corner from that. Just coincidentally, uh, happened to be oh. in the same week. I got a call from Joe, and then I got a call from these uh, folks as well. So I, I was looking at both, and um, cool. Joe's is a little more challenging uh, house in terms of lot size. And there's a historic tree that people had, uh, for whatever reason, decided to make a, a tree that's right smack in the middle of the property, historic. Which, oh, uh, as nowadays. All they did was uh, decrease their their dirt value <laughs> dramatically because oh, the tree can never go, which means the size of footprint of house that can be built there can never be expanded beyond what's already there, which is a little salt box house. So um, sure. they had they known, they might not have done that back when they did it, but they did it. So either way, it, it could be a cool project. But yeah, just it was a coincidence that um, Joe called me last, you know, week before, and these people called me the week after. How do you make a tree historic? Is that with the city? Is that the yeah, state? Yeah, so you make it with the city of Lake Oswego for whatever reason. They give you a little plaque. You put the plaque in, next to the tree. So, like, I was literally walking in the backyard with Joe, and I was like, oh, hey, Joe, uh, not good. And he's like, <laughs> like, see that little metal plaque right there? That means this thing is, you know, you, you might as well. It'll be a federal felony if you cut this thing down, uh, at least in Lake Oswego, you know? Well, so, it's already hard enough in Lake Oswego to cut down a tree. Why would you want to make it harder? So what's the advantage to the seller? Does it help their taxes or something? No, nothing. There's no advantage. It's just simply to have a historic tree on your property, which I, to some people, you know, that gives mental value uh, uh, to the market. It gives zero dollar value. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm sure people would argue with me on that if, it, if they got enough mental value from it. They think somehow, some way that would give market value, but it doesn't. It just and nowadays in Lake Oswego, the problem is, is that most of these older small houses, you know, values have you know improved so much. The city's grown up so much that if you have an old little house on a you know, at least normal sized lot, most of the time that house has exceeded its lifespan and the dirt's worth more than what's there. Mm-hmm. But if you have a historic tree that's anywhere near where the footprint would be for a new house that's got a little bigger building envelope, guess what? You can't build that new house most of the time. So, mm-hmm. Have you done a project on the lake, Tucker, before? So we're doing the closest thing. Well, the, the one I looked at was um, last week was on the lake. Um, we haven't done one per se on the lake. The closest thing that we have done or are doing is one that literally it looks over lake view um, and looks over the entire lake. So it's a it's a lake view, like literally panoramic view of the entire lake um, lot, um, but not on the lake itself. Is that upper drive? Yeah, it's on upper drive. So there's actually. Yeah. Which is, it's been, a, I mean, 
it's been a huge pain in my ass because we've been working with the city for three years now, which this has been a massive anchor project for me. But uh, three years to install a storm system, which now we uh, city approved our plans. They're going to do a cost share with us um, to basically solve all of the stormwater issues on Upper Drive, which there are a lot because they don't have a storm system there that can can basically handle the runoff that's already um, you know going into it. And so we're installing a line that goes off Upper Drive, um, down our driveway, down the back of our property, under the railroad tracks, um, and then into a catch basin on Lakeview. And a couple years from now, they're going to do a big Lakeview redevelopment project. So Lakeview will be real swanky and cool with like path, bike paths and running paths and all that. Um, but they preemptively want to get this put in. So they're essentially we're doing a cost share to put in this giant public improvement. Once that happens, then we'll be able to build this property um, but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a long time coming, but the good news is, is to the right of me, somebody's paying $2 million for the dirt, um, that's right there that has basically the same view and they have about 75 trees to contend with. So they really want a lot of, uh, headache and brain damage <laughs> to, uh, get that developed, but, uh, they're also paying a high price tag to do it. So, yeah, I just closed a, uh, new construction on upper drive Friday, believe it or not. Um, I, I forgot. Get the builder's name. It's Realty Trust that is listing. Yeah, I know. Who, I know exactly the project. I know exactly the builder, and I know exactly yeah. the house. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few of them there. Yep. Um, I, I, I was, I thought about you. I was like, this is Tucker's wheelhouse. He loves Upper Drive. He lives. You, you live right around there, and I know you've done a ton there. So, yeah. Sure. Um. Anyways, uh, you know, kind of moving along. I'm, I'm, I'm also looking at a. There's another land opportunity in, in Newburgh, um, that I is on my radar. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, talking to some sellers there and I might shop it around to a couple different developers just to see what I've, we've got. I'm not a thousand percent sure it's doable. It, it is supposed to be going into the, what is urban growth reserve, Tucker? Actually, let me ask you, you know, this stuff. Uh, well, I should know it reserve. better. I, I believe it's what's on the docket for potential inclusion on up on the next meeting, but I could be wrong there. So when they're in the reserve, can you can you fast track that and get them out quicker? That I do not know. Um, okay. That would be a good okay. question for, uh, I bet if we had Randy back on the show, he would have the answer to that. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm looking at a place like that. Let's see. Uh, as far as listings, I've been doing a few tenant occupied listings. Those are such a pain in the butt. In fact, one of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> one of them. I, I met with the seller. We came up with this elaborate plan to incentivize the tenant to 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 be involved in the process. They had some nice furniture. That's usually the wild card. If you know if they if they don't live like pigs and they've got some nice stuff, you're like, okay, we'll put you on the market while you're there. And I said, you know, throw them throw them fifty bucks a showing or fifty bucks an open house. Reduce their rent five hundred bucks a month. You know, play you know get them to play ball. Get them to be on board and. And he did, and they thanked him, and then they didn't return another call. <laughs> and we would call and try to set things up. So luckily, we hadn't gone on the market. We were just trying to book, you know, photos and stuff. And so that one, he's he's moving the tenants out, and um, that didn't work so well. So it's always an interesting challenge when you have tenant occupied listings. I could do I could do a whole podcast about you know the the, the pros and cons and and how to angle them. And I got an answer for you. Unless it's a teardown, <laughs> don't. Yeah. <laughs> just just move them out just move them out if at yeah. all possible uh, yeah I, I know everybody wants to keep the rent flowing but god it's a pain in the butt so 
Well, but another one of them I have is in Portland and it's 90 days. I mean, she wants to move the property. She's gone through a divorce. This is a different one. Right. And she calls me up. She's like, I need to get this thing on the market right away. And I'm like, you've got tenants in there. And she goes, yeah. And I go, I go, you got to give 90 day notice. And so, yeah, it, it, it gets a little trickier when people, you know, they want to do something, they want to do it soon. But yeah. And the last thing I'll say about my personal business, I've got a short sale closing soon. Remember those Tucker? <laughs> I think I remember what those are. I, this is, I, when I got in the business in 2012, I would say 30% of my listings were short sales. Maybe even, maybe even more, maybe 40%. Back in 2013, we did a short sale together. We did one together. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very successful one. And I, and I got to, to relist it with you and had a great experience. Yeah. yeah. I, I, we sold it as a coming soon, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my office is actually a stone's throw away from there now. Um, we're, we back to uh, Carmen there on Meadows Road. And, and gosh, that's, you could actually walk out the back and through, through the, the little trees there and be there in 10 seconds. But it's kind of crazy. I, I, I when I got in the business, there was a lot of short sales and I, I cut my teeth on them. I got, you know, I, I made some good contacts with some negotiators that did a great job um, and just got pretty good at it. I mean, you know, there there are advantages to short sales. You, you always get 6% with few exceptions. The banks, you know, they'll let you have that. You know, your sellers aren't really as price driven as, you know, a standard regular sale. They're not price driven at all. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they so you're don't not, care you're not, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. You're not fighting the battles of, uh, hey, we need to do a price drop. You're also not going through horrendous repair negotiations because there are no repair negotiations. So you, you, there are, you know, short sales. We, the the long running joke is there's nothing short about a short sale. They they take forever, but there was some benefits to them. Um, I'm doing one now, and the reason is it's a distressed situation. I think in this market now, I think the only short sales out, out there, with few exceptions, are just distressed situations or contractor liens or something something funky. It's not just um, it's not just that they're upside down somehow because I think most people are their values should be back to to the highest they've ever been which means regardless of whatever loan you took out in a, in a standard fashion in the last 10 years you should be okay on it um with a, with a few exceptions so i uh I, i'm doing this short sale prior to this short sale tucker i'd done a short sale in gosh a year and a half two years i haven't been involved on a buy side of one so there there's not many of them out there but so i thought that was a little interesting topic there um on PPG side as a brokerage, just a few things to touch on, and I'll, I'll get I'll get done with this so you can move on. Um, we had a bad case of wire fraud. I don't think I've mentioned that on the show. Um, one of our agents was buying their own personal residence, and that's the scariest part of this. This was an agent themselves that got duped into wiring half a million dollars to the wrong person. Jesus. Yeah, that'll put you in the fetal position quickly. Yeah, um, they got some kind of email saying, "Hey, we're ready for your wiring." You know, and it, it looks very legitimate. It, you know, the the URL is off by one one uh, character um, from the title company. Um, the signatures look legit. You know, and so they followed the instructions. And then the next day, the escrow officer said, "said Hey, we're ready for you to wire money." And she said, "What are you talking about? I already wired it to you." And and that's how that all started. And it, the money was gone, long gone, half a million dollars. So a reminder to all agents out there, um, advise your buyers and, 
and your sellers too, because they can get caught as well. If if a seller gives, um, I guess, uh, well, I guess sellers too. There, there, the sellers. That's more to the escrow companies because if uh, it, those people would be going to the escrow company, going, "Hey, here's where I, I want you to wire the funds," and I think they're a little bit more savvy. So it, it mostly affects buyers, but they need to have a verbal phone conversation with the with the, a trusted person on a trusted line before they ever wire money, or bad bad things can happen. So there's a few other things going on with PPG. I'll I'll save them for next time. What do you got going on, Tucker? Well, we're pretty busy, actually. Well, we're super busy right now, which uh, we're kind of coming out of. Uh, last year, was it was difficult to balance uh, not only building my own house and keeping business, you know, flowing and just bandwidth, basically, right? Because we've got a we've got our hand in a bunch of cookie jars. We've got our you know our online education business, um, which is booming. I'm actually going back up to Seattle next week to speak again at another um, big real estate event. Um, we have our technology business, which wraps into that which uh includes the app that we built and we're continuing to build that out and somebody then course, was raving about your app the other day i i forget who it was somebody was talking to me about the, the podcast and your name came up because yeah i've been using his app i really like it so kudos yeah, that's, to that. that's fantastic yeah we're building out uh, we're continuing to really make that a, just an absolutely amazing piece of technology marketing wise whether it be for real estate investor types or for agents for that matter um, it, it just it allows you to pull all the contact information for people and then run your marketing to them whether it be direct mail whether it be phone calls whether it be text messages whatever it is um, so or emails for that matter um, which is cool so you know we've got a lot of things going on now we're back to you know those two things are continuing to grow and and now we're going pretty gangbusters getting a bunch of stuff going um or starting a bunch of projects that we've been trying to get off the ground uh on the uh, construction side so we're in the middle of quite a few things right now we're hoping to finish up um two really amazing homes on upper drive here very shortly we've got them knocked out we're really trying to fast track those to get them listed here probably i'll probably list the back house at the end of this next week um, we'll try the, the coming soon, quote unquote status here, uh, very shortly. I wanted to wait for the front house to be fully framed before we did that. So nobody gets any flat tires driving down the road or anything like that. But, um, uh, I'm pretty excited about getting those on the, on the, um, market. They're pretty much going to be an example of what we talked about. It's the right type of house built the right way that will have a pretty high price tag on it, but it, it is warranted based on the way that we designed the lots and the way that we built the houses. So they're not crammed in They're half acre lots. They've got three car garages. They've got extra parking for guests. They've got all the things that, um, you know, people want that are going to spend that type of money on a home. And, uh, what's, and the, what's the timing between the two? Are they hitting the market about the same time or the, the back one first, then the front one? Yeah. Back one first and the front one. I mean, they will be probably about a month apart in terms of completion. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, that's so they're, pretty close. That's yeah, pretty close. They're pretty, yeah, they're pretty close. And we timed it that way on purpose. We wanted to be in and out. You know, we don't want to be doing construction for too long on one house while the other one is, you know, sold yeah. before there. Yeah. So we got What's that What's your going. price point? Uh, about 1.5, 1.6 million, somewhere in there. Are you going to do some kind of broker open or something? Uh, I'm sure we will at, at, at a certain point, um, unless they get pre-sold. And at that point, you know, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Um, but, uh, they're, they're really cool houses. I'm, we could have split the lot into three and done three houses and done kind of a more, uh, you know, let's call it a 1.1, 1.2 price point. Um, but I'm glad we didn't because I think that these are, um, they're just going to be superior in, in all aspects to a lot of our competition that might've done that or have smaller, more cramped lots or just, uh, you know, didn't have quite as much to work with. Cause we had an entire acre that was literally flat 
uh, which is hard to find, especially oh, yeah. in an area that's as hot as um, you know that upper drive area has become and will continue to improve just with the Boone's Ferry project. And it, it'll be kind of the trendy, you know, more conveniently located part of Lake Oswego. So I, I see, you know, that area only having continue upside, really. Um, so yeah, we're excited I to agree. get that going. Um, like I, like I said, we, we finally have a path to building on our view hut, which has been great. Um, you know, super stoked about that. We'll get that storm system put in and we're waiting for railroad approval on that, which should be here shortly. And, uh, we're in the middle of a partition in Dunthorpe. So we're, we're actually going to be partitioning our dirt that we own in Dunthorpe. We're going to build two houses there. Went to a neighborhood meeting. Oh, about a week ago to, uh, explain to the neighbors that density, uh, also happens in Dunthorpe. They're not immune <laughs> to it. Some How was that? Uh, I sat <laughs> there for an hour and and took rapid fire. Uh, a lot of took a lot of shrapnel, um, but uh, you know I, I I survived. I walked out. Sometimes I wonder why the city makes us do these things and just sit there and and take it. Um, but I did. And, what were uh, their big? What were they saying? I mean, are they like we 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 shouldn't have more homes here, or, or this is too small of a lot? We want bigger lots. What what are their complaints? So this this sounds absurd and. I don't want to rag on people publicly too much, but basically one of the gals that lives, we'll call it nearby the property was like, those lots look really small. And mind you, each lot's about a hundred feet wide. So we're talking, that's a pretty wide lot, right? That's twice your normal standard mm-hmm. size lot in the city of Portland. A hundred foot wide lot is it's a wide lot. Well, one of the houses, the house that this particular um, lady lived in, she had a 300 foot wide lot, which in Dunthorpe, there's some pretty big estate lots, right? So if you look at 100 feet versus 300 feet, sure, it looks small on a plat map. But if you go out uh, at a piece of property and you look at a 100 foot wide lot, you go, wow, that's a big lot, you know? And and if you look at a 300 foot wide lot, you're like, oh my God, that's a huge piece of property, right? So the complaints were like, those lots look really small. I don't want more neighbors. You know, this basically just kind of your typical NIMBY type uh, complaints. But I had to politely explain to them that just because you have a Dunthorpe address doesn't mean that density can't happen in your neighborhood as well. And, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. But so the uh, city makes you do that. They make you have this meeting. But yep. is there teeth to the meeting? Like, can the neighbors actually stop you, or is it just they, they they just get to you make they get to force you to hear them? Is that really what it is? The latter, yes. Yeah, they just okay. <laughs> and 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 what do you? How do you document that the meeting occurred? Like, so do you I, go back I to have, the form. Yeah, so I have my land use planner gal that we hire there, and she does all the the proof of mail out and the documentation and all that. Mm. So um, we basically have to identify their potential issues and then address those in our land use partition application and, you know, whatever. It it basically allows people to feel like they have a voice when the reality is they don't if zoning and code allows for whatever it is that you're doing, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. it does in this case, Mm -hmm. but. It just it, it's a fun way to put me in the middle of a hot seat of people that really despise what we do, because let's be honest, who shows up to those things? Generally, it's people that despise what we do. So, yeah, uh, that's a great point. Yeah, the, the, the happy go lucky neighbors usually are, are busy with other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, we got that going on, which is cool. Those would be great houses, uh, probably in the one six ish range once they're done, which for, you know, about four thousand square feet in Dunthorpe new construction, those should fly. Um, they should be a real hot product. 
And then on the flip side, we have, uh, for anybody looking, a um, uh, we'll call it affordable housing. Uh, it's basically a brand new house. Uh, you know, it's, it's essentially new construction. We rebuilt the whole thing, it feels like at this point. But uh, we're going to be hitting the uh, probably about a three ninety nine price point in Garden Home. So wow. it'll, be, uh, it'll be pretty damn good value. Um, house had a few more problems than we anticipated, so we pretty much ended up rebuilding it all. Um, but it'll be a three ninety nine price point in Garden Home, and that that's going to fly, Tucker. You're going to get yeah. scalpers on that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, I, I, probably, hopefully, we'll see. But uh, considering that the what the median price is now four twenty ish somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, you know, what's this, your size on that house? Uh, eleven hundred and fifty square feet, three bedroom, one bath, oversized bath, oversized master, detached, uh, one and a half car garage, um, private huh. lot. So yeah, yeah, you'll go, you'll go quick. You'll yeah. go quick. It should be hot. So we're kind of all over the board. And then we've got another really cool project coming up um, in uh, Milwaukee, a uh, renovation project. So a lot, a lot of stuff going on. But the the biggest thing I want to mention is, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast a number of times. And sometimes it's hard for people to totally get it or, or just they didn't listen to the podcast or whatever. But I've talked about the affordability issues and trying to build houses in Portland. And so I thought the other day that I'd craft kind of a long form um, Facebook post to really try and explain it right and, and show an example of how all of the fees and things that we as builders that we have to deal with really the end result is it makes it near impossible to build affordable housing and just really kind of point out some of the major flaws in in how our local government um, assesses people that are trying to create more housing units and so i put a post out it was it was a really popular post with a lot of people but it it proved something to me which is inevitably there's always going to be negative people on Facebook. That's number one, which we all knew that, right? But there also is going to be folks that that just hate builders and redevelopment. And regardless of whatever the point is that we're trying to make, whether it be correct or incorrect, they're they're just going to kind of plug their ears and go, you know, it's uh, we don't support whatever it is that you're trying to say. And so it's unfortunate because there's a fair bit of that in Portland, and I and I just wish that. Um, everybody would really recognize that we have a major issue here in terms of, of fees that the city charges and ultimately what that does to the ability to create new affordable housing units without some sort of government subsidy, um, which, you know, you can only go so far with that. So I think the city's got to change some things big time. Um, I wish they would put together some type of an infill builder panel to come up with some ideas and ways that they can better spend their funds or incentivize the public builders to create this affordable housing. Um, but to this point, it hasn't happened. And so the uh, example that I put on Facebook was a, a simple single family lot that the city was trying to charge us $95,000 for sidewalk improvement fees that they weren't going to spend any of that money on that property improving the sidewalk because there are no sidewalks anywhere near that neighborhood in Woodstock. And on top of that, we would then have about a $25,000 building permit. So all in, we'd be at about $120,000 in fees, which is, you know, 75% of the value of the lot, um, which is crazy. So that's a problem. And then we went and saw another lady on Thursday last week or Friday, and we had to explain to her that her house also fell randomly fell on an L tick street, which means, you know, she had a 10,000 square foot lot that was a hundred by a hundred. She now has $60,000 worth of L tick fees that have to be accounted for. And so she had her idea of what she thought the home was worth or the lot essentially was worth. And we basically said, well, it's worth this, but it's worth this minus 60 grand because now you have these additional fees that apply, which didn't apply when she bought it many, many, many years ago. 
Um, and so she was really upset to hear that. And this was going to be her retirement. She's moving to Hawaii with her family and that was going to be kind of her last chapter. But now that last chapter is going to be $60,000 less because the city's going to essentially hit that property with, um, you know, 30,000 per new lot in sidewalk improvement fees again, in an area where they're not going to do any sidewalk improvements. So that's nuts. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. And so, and then on top of that, in that example, you know, if you split the lot, you get some credits on one of the building permits. So one new building permit will be 25,000, but on the new lot where you don't get credits, it'll be about 45 to 50,000. So you start adding up all these numbers and it's, I'm glad I wrote it because I think a lot more people absorb it and get it, but it's a huge problem and it's a problem that we're going to need to solve. And hopefully we can get some political capital behind this so that, you know, somebody comes out and says, yes, I want to solve this problem by solving it. They gain pop, you know, popularity politically and that helps them get into office. But I think that's the only way that this is going to get enough attention to really solve the problem, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm looking at your post here. By the way, um, you got 25 shares. <laughs> That's a lot of shares. Um, and yeah, a ton of likes and comments. Randy Sebastian was on here a few times. Um, so what does LTIC stand for? So it's basically, um, you can look it up. I forget the exact acronym. I don't want to botch it online or on the air here. But basically- What does it mean? Then? It's for transportation. It's the, the, the transportation department. So they're, they're basically imposing fees for- on you to improve the sidewalk areas in front of a property. So they're essentially saying that you need to pay $600 per linear foot of road frontage of your property um, to the city to potentially improve the road frontage, which nine out of 10 times doesn't happen because most of the areas in which LTIC applies, there are no sidewalks. And so why would you put sidewalks in in front of a house where there's the 200 houses around it don't have them. It'd be a building a bridge to nowhere, right? So instead, that money goes into a general fund and they spend it how they want. So hmm. it's basically they're fleecing you for money. I mean, that's hmm. really what it comes down to. It and had that's a, only on new construction, correct? When you partition yeah. and divide. Like when you flipped your uh, uh, garden home property, that of course doesn't apply, correct? Right, if you do new construction. But the, the point is, is that to do new construction and add new housing units you yeah, know, you have to do that, right? Otherwise, you're just doing one for one, and we're not solving a housing unit issue. We're just basically renovating what's there and putting one unit back on the market where there was one before. So, if you go into a like a uh, a teardown situation, if you leave one wall up or one beam up, you can get around some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you you basically do a remodel, quote unquote, versus new construction, yes, you can. Yeah, but like you said, that's a one for one. That's not that's not adding housing stock. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and Randy Sebastian also said in your post that he he kind of echoed what you say are saying is the real losers here are you know the some of these folks who've been in their house for thirty years and it's all you know it's it's pretty much their their nest egg. It's it's what they owe own. It's it's their equity. It's their retirement. And they're the ones getting hit by this because now this is this is eating into their money. I mean, the builders aren't going to just pay it out of their pocket. It's got to come out of it's got to come out of the cost of the construction um, as a hard, you know, a line item cost. So that affects what they can get for the property. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So anyway, that's pretty much uh, what's going on with me. I know we've been going pretty long here. Last thing I just want to add before we, uh, you know, peace out here for this week is that we are adding a new agent to our team. I think I shot you an email about yeah. it. So if anybody listening, um, we've got a couple people that have reached out to us already, which is great. But uh, we're going to add a, a retail sales agent that basically 
can um, work a lot of the leads that we get into our company here on a daily basis that don't fit within the box of what we do, but there's still people that are looking to sell and um, with the right person, we can do a pretty cool handoff and, um, you know, hopefully have a great book of business filled up for them. That's a win for the company and win for them. So, yeah, if you're, if you're an agent out there looking for a, uh, a great gig, call Tucker up. He, uh, he'll keep you busy. That, that we will. So, yeah. But uh, all right, well, we've been running for about an hour, so long show, a lot to talk about. But uh, before we uh, leave for this week, any parting words of wisdom, advice, or otherwise? It's good to be back on, and we will reach out to Joe here in the next week or so and, and line him up, and uh, we'll get back into some best of masters topics. It's been a little while, so I, I think there'll be some good topics to hit, and I'd, I'd love to chat with him about the coming soon and what he thinks of it and some of the other you know new changes we've seen going on around us. So For sure. Listen for that. Joe's always a fun guy to have on the show. Yeah, no question. So, all right, everybody, this wraps up episode eighty-three. We'll see y'all on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.